You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Okay, happy midweek to you, everybody. Today's show is brought to you, as all of them are, by Broadcast Supply Worldwide. That's BSWUSA.com. They pay for this studio. The studio itself that I record in, I do music in, podcasting in, is brought to you by the wonderful folks at Broadcast Supply Worldwide. Get all your podcasting gear there. And guess what? You can get 10% off if you just use the promo code DOWN. So if you're buying a microphone, enter face, bundles, packages, whatever it is. Microphone stands, get it at bswusa.com. And they have a great support staff too. I'll tell you more about the good things about them over time, but they uh, have really good phone support. If you have podcast questions, you don't have to ask me how to make a mix minus or uh, hook up Skype to an interface. Uh, Call them, ask them and get 10% off while you're at it. Uh, So, Like I told you guys before, if you hadn't caught up with the last couple episodes, this is middle of the week. I'm on my third podcast of the week, and I'm having a tremendous time. I already feel freedom and less pressure, and uh, podcasting every day is going to be the best way for me to probably get better at podcasting and Honestly, it's just enjoyable to me. So thank you for everybody for downloading them. If you uh, see an episode that looks boring, skip it. No problem here. I don't, I'm not worried about the numbers or anything like that. This is just an experiment to see what happens if I podcast every day, how I feel about it, and you know how it goes. Uh, I also really want to make this podcast work. It's like a, a big priority of mine. And I am going to launch a Patreon in a week or two. I have the good ideas for it, and I'm just going to go ahead and you know earn some trust and give you guys a bunch of episodes and hopefully it's valuable enough to you and you guys will want to participate and support that and I'm going to create some social media communities and places to interact with people because I don't do that yet really with the show. Uh, You can tweet me right now. That's about all you could do. Uh, You can tweet me at at Zod Carter on Twitter and you can tell me if there's any good things you'd like to see in a Patreon or interactive stuff or good ways to interact. I'm interested in getting in that because I want to share articles and ideas and things like that with you guys. So stay tuned for the Patreon. Um, Last thing I want to tell you about, a friend of mine, Chris, does a podcast called Modern Vinyl. Uh, It's also on Jabberjaw Media. And uh, basically, maybe you're into vinyl or music at all, but Modern Vinyl combines the kind of conversations you'd hear, let's say, at the record store, but also with maybe some insightful criticism that goes just beyond surface stuff. So Chris knows a lot about music and vinyl and is is actually a a legitimate critic. Uh, So you can find their website, modern-vinyl.com, or, you know, just search anywhere that you search for podcasts and however you listen to them. You certainly can find it or jabberjawmedia.com. So he's got a bunch of good upcoming episodes, and I, I recommend everybody check out that podcast. All right, we'll get rolling here. Uh, Dan Koch is here today, and I think Dan's going to come back every week. It looks looks like for now, for the next few weeks, on Wednesdays, he's going to come in, so we'll have a multi-part conversation, and uh, we're going to just talk about, he does a podcast called Depolarize um, that I helped him uh, create or develop a little bit, and I really enjoy what he's doing. Uh, it's very, he's, Dan's very sharp, he's articulate, he's intelligent, and a pleasure to talk to just about any time. So if he came in and we decided we were going to talk about anything at all, it would it would go well and I would enjoy it. And so I'm going to try and bring conversations to you guys like that, just based on what I want to learn and what I want to talk about and enjoy, and I hope you guys get something out of it or as much as I do or whatever it is. Like I said, skip the episodes you don't like. Tell the friends about the ones that you do like, and we'll keep having fun over here. All right, let's talk to Dan. Break it down, Dada. Break it down, oh, break it 
it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Break it down, oh, break it down. Yeah, I listen to very few podcasts these days, even though uh, Depolarize is now 30 episodes in and Reconstruct is starting up soon. My second. We'll one. talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, your new podcast, but why are you listening to podcasts less? Man, I don't know. Uh, well, so I used to listen to a lot of political podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially around the election, and that's kind of what got me really interested in politics. Was like Trump's candidacy um, sort of woke me from a long political slumber. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I have anxiety disorder, which we've talked about before, and. Uh, I, I just really have to limit my political intake. I see. And so I I really do. I, I limit it to a few good sources, and I try not to bombard myself. Uh, and then that kind of led to this realization that I, I sort of have this not novelty-seeking thing, mm-hmm. or like I just want these little dopamine hits of like new messages or notifications or... Um, new like, episodes. Yeah, yeah, new episode, like whatever, or just like sort of fleeting kind mm-hmm. of content. Uh, and so that kind of led to me just like realizing, oh, you know, I'd rather be listening to an audiobook that somebody spent 300 hours to put together an eight-hour audiobook yeah. than like listen to eight hours of stuff that people took 16 hours to put together yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And not that podcasts cannot be great, and and there are still some that I do listen to and whatnot, but I guess I'm really focused on like – uh really thoughtful stuff. I have mm-hmm. a limited amount of time and I, I want stuff to kind of um, fill me up, not just entertain me. Yeah, but also maybe that, the, like, are, have you experienced and are you experiencing the thing like you said with, you, you referenced anxiety getting right into it. The thing of this consuming, especially of the political media, yeah. seems like the self-induced stress disorder. And I talk about my wife yeah. being that way. She just, like I saw her the other morning. And when I say morning, I mean like, baby got up crying and I fed fed it and she came it. back and she had the uh, iPhone glow, screen glowing and I lay down beside her and look up and it's just a big picture of Trump on some article and I'm just yeah. like, you can't. And it makes her so mad, like, but she seek seems to seek it and it's like, it just can't be, like, what are you learning that's going to help you tomorrow at all by doing that? I just don't see the point of that engagement, so I can certainly see a political podcast that way. But it, it seems like... We're addicted to rage, or what? What's going on? Yeah, my my friend Lowen calls it the outrage industry, and mm-hmm. I think that he's yeah. not the one who coined that. There's maybe a book called that, uh, but his his line is like the out. You know, anytime. So I have this group of friends, and we have this political text thread. Uh-huh. So I read a few sources, and then I converse with them, and that's basically I try and limit my politics to that. And so in that in that text thread, we're always talking about these things, and anytime that I sort of put forward a very depolarizing kind of yeah. wouldn't it be great if people were really rational and they uh really sought the other side you know and then lowen will always say like dan the outrage industry is never going out of business no of course not and, but it's at all-time high though. and right now business is booming yeah um and and it's booming on the left and the right um you know on the left you have outrage over anything trump does says or tweets on the right, you have outrage over the hysteria on the left towards mm-hmm. Trump. So you have like what Andrew Sullivan calls the anti-anti-Trump crowd. 
Uh, yes, so a lot of yes. these conservative articles are like, look how dumb these anti-Trumpers are. <laughs> and then sometimes those articles don't address the thing mm -hmm. that the anti-Trump people were addressing in their articles. They, they skip over the actual content of the critique, which is sometimes good, sometimes vacuous. Yeah. And so, you know, it it is, I mean, it's like, I think that people are kind of waking up to it. Like, I, I think that it was a natural thing. I think it was a natural moment for Americans to be somewhat hysterical that a reality television show host who grabs women by the genitals and has never served in office mm -hmm. and has not released his taxes is president. Uh -huh. Like, I think that's okay. That's a crazy thing to happen. Mm -hmm understandable do you, but not sustainable let right? me you not interrupt you or sound like i'm totally off base there but it are you really comfortable saying and really believe that he actually grabs women by the genitals or is that you're just coloring that a little bit just to get uh, right to the heart of it because i don't oh, i, I don't want to get you, into that issue but i don't really know that you know i understand he was say, he said that and that's his general attitude but oh, i don't yeah. necessarily think that's <laughs> I mean, to say he, that he did he does or even did that. Now, he de yeah. definitely said that. And that's it's hard. I mean, no defense of that kind of talk or that kind of way of being. Yeah. But that well, wasn't were, quite literal. I, but I a think, dozen but. or so women came out after that with allegations mm -hmm. of sexual misconduct by mm -hmm. him. So yeah. I, I'm sure he does yeah. something. Yeah. Um, yeah, does, yeah okay. I mean, yeah, if, if anything, you're, what you're asking is like, I know he claims to be a chauvinist badass, right. but maybe no, he's no, no, not as sure. much of a no, chauvinist a show, badass. Yeah, no, he's a show. Yeah, he, no, he is that for sure. Yeah, but but the literal idea to take that ultra literally always rubs. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think it's ultra. Anyway. Well, I, the problem is, you know, the problem is just as much that he doesn't think it's a problem that. It, yeah, that absolutely, he did it. absolutely. I, I, my whole point is not. I'm just saying it's like, a natural moment. It's a crazy that, moment. That, this, that's what I'm saying. We're yes. we're here having to parse that to not yeah. freak out. I totally agree. And and yet, I don't think that that hysteria is – you can't keep it up. I mean, mm. like literally our adrenal systems yeah. cannot keep it up. Mine can't. I just – I had a vacation, you know, half ruined by my inability to disconnect from po political news while Isn't I was in Europe. Isn't it kind of even like – I mean – it, it's got to be some kind of entertainment. Like you just ha you, you can only say about people's behavior. The way I look at people, I kind of just think of them as animals. And I would only say, well, I guess you choose and like this then. So, yeah, I know you're mad. I know you're upset. I know you're anxious. But it seems that you gravitate toward and select that, at least. Like, it's your choice yeah. to consume that, really. Yeah, I think that I, I mean, think it's a, becoming clearer. I, I think it was really, really unclear at first. Mm -hmm. uh, what is this about? Like, uh, when I say this, I mean sort of um, mass news consumption, like yeah. you mentioned, Bridget. Mm -hmm. What is it about? Is it about like protecting the the Republic from a tyrannical threat? Uh -huh. I think at first it really seemed like that might be what this is about. And I think that there is still, there's still really good questions. Uh, we can talk about that later. Like there is, I do think there's still some threat from Trump, but also we've seen sort of our system of government work a little bit and mm -hmm. he didn't get the health care bill through mm -hmm. because actually it's hard to govern right yeah. and you you can't just govern by executive order and fiat and tweet and and so i think now the question is well okay are we really like on the am, am i on the front lines against tyranny right now by reading huffington post i'm probably not right 
Um, and so, okay, like let's think clearly about uh, what I will be doing to fight tyranny. So like, for instance, I will be marching in the tax day march. I will be waving an American flag. Mm -hmm. I'll be sending a message. I hope to get interviewed or shown on some, you know, local news or whatever, because I think it matters that our president has not disclosed his financial ties. Mm -hmm. But that does not. But I don't need to read every article written about Trump's taxes yeah. between now and tax day. Yeah. I can just say two weeks from now, I'm going to go to that for a few hours. And I can actually save that many hours oh, yeah. of reading articles if yeah. I know I believe that, right? So I think it's, you know, honestly, it'd be really interesting. I, I haven't seen anything about this, but I would love to see some report or study about sort of America's entertainment and television habits and how some of that has just switched over to news consumption. Yeah. But that, it, yeah. it does seem still like very consumer driven. To me. <laughs> of course it is. Right. It's entirely consumer driven. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, you, I mean, for sure, and so that's what that's what I wanted to talk to you about, even mainly and first today, and we'll we have, we can get through this in the coming weeks and whatever. But you've set out to do depolarize before Trump was even elected. Then he got elected, uh, and at the time, I thought the title was good, but I thought your approach was almost funny in the sense that you were seemed like you started your podcast called depolarize with a mission to help people understand who trump was so that he would not get elected <laughs> but then right after you started he got elected yeah. and at which point i uh, text you said now your podcast name and mission is actually i'm very excited about i became yeah. really excited about it once i realized you were going to have to deal with both sides and you're going to go in the middle and i know you and your intellectual integrity that you're going to do it right and be open-minded and listen and uh now you really have your work cut out for you because now it's you yeah. really have a mission because it seemed to me like well this is not going to go away at inauguration kind of no thing. It, it, it was worse, my, probably it, already. You know, instinct yeah. and it seems like even even it's been more hysterical than i would have even thought but it was clear that we we're going to have that polarization problem and i just wanted to check in overall after doing all the 30 interviews with really smart people which i'm not entirely caught up on but i've really enjoyed it um are you more or less hopeful and where are we at as a what's your assessment of what, what where is this the, the every american at man that's a great question uh let let me set aside where we're at um for a second and talk about the difference between when i started and what it's become okay so you're right i i did my my initial impetus for starting the show was like i want to do my part uh to resist trump becoming president because mm -hmm. i think he's dangerous mm -hmm. but as i thought about what i could do and i talked with those friends who i mentioned in in the uh in the text thread my political friends who are also just really wise dudes um and I, I sort of thought through like what had been most successful on my own Facebook page because I had been doing these kind of open-ended political threads with people for a while. I realized that like what I could bring to the table was this like moderating voice. Yes. And and I and I don't actually think that so I've thought about this. I, I think that really my my aim there was like if if I'm moderating, if there is moderate discussion, people will not like Trump. And this is when he could still have lost, right? And I think that, I still think that's true. Although the time to have done it would maybe have been like in the primary yeah. and not the general election mm -hmm. in terms of that. But I, I do really think that like, um, you know, until Trump actually enacts something that benefits his voters, which he hasn't really done yet, 
I don't think there's a reason to like him. Uh, I I will, however, say though, I'm not blaming. I don't think conservatism is wrong. So I want to have a moderate discussion between liberalism and conservatism and finding common ground. I, I mean, I just think that Trump is kind of yeah ineffectual and vain and mm-hmm. narcissistic and you know nepotistic. He's he's his business and his family are ga- gaining all these rewards and no voters are really getting anything from mm-hmm. him. Uh, so that's but that's interesting because the the depolarizing thing. That it, yeah. When he won, I was like, "Oh shit, I've got, yeah. I got a lot more work to work do now for than you. I yeah. did, you know, just trying to defeat him." And I would have kept the show going. It, it would have shifted away from, well, maybe not, because who knows what would have happened if Hillary had won? Yeah, I mean, we don't know. You don't know. But anyway, so I just wanted to address that kind of transition moment. But where are we at? Like, uh, so yeah, so I've had thirty conversations with people about this. Many of them experts in their field. Um, some of them psychologists and, and sociologists and some of them political scientists and, and authors and whatnot. And, uh, I mean, I, in the short term, we're worse off in the short okay. term. So we've become more polarized. Yeah. Among, like the trend is still an upward trend of polarization. Yeah. Know? I would, I would put it this way and I'm not, I'm not an expert, but if you, if you really wanted to break it down, uh, from <laughs> break it down 2008 to 2016 was a time where the right sort of solidified its polarization of the last 30 years or so, which basically started with Rush Limbaugh, talk radio, uh, and all, and, and uh, other talk radio hosts. And the Freedom Caucus, sort of the super conservative Tea Party movement, that was really kind of like the polarization of the right to, to really, really dumb it down. And now that Trump has won, we're seeing the polarization of the left, mm-hmm. which, of course, it's been going on. And the, but, that polarization is just... I mean, is it really? Is it the natural state, or is it the consumerism and the out the news outlets driving it? So, for instance, that's a good. So, for instance, strategically, to get Rush Limbaugh out there in the '90s, and then Fox News in the late '90s, or whenever it came on yeah. the scene, like they were more successful than the left because they had a better product that fed into human behavior better, right? Yeah, And yeah. now the left's like, oh shit, w- integrity be damned, we need to catch up and at least get some more higher-end weapons of human psychology to compete because both we need money and we need we have an enemy. So let's, let's all become Rush Limbaugh too. That, you know? Well, okay, yeah. So it's not, it's not quite that broad. It's more like um, when people talk about like what does the base want, they're talking about like, the primary voters, the voter base of a party is usually the more activist group. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that the base is fired up, quote unquote, to that same extent, you, the elected representatives of that party have to kind of like act out, act out that aggression or that, that whatever. So right now you've got Judge Gorsuch uh, maybe being confirmed in SCOTUS, maybe not. And the Democratic base wants blood. They want to force the Republicans to do what's called the nuclear option, which basically means because the Senate has a majority, right now it takes 60 votes out of 100 uh, or 101, whatever, mm-hmm. with vice president. It takes 60 votes to get a justice confirmed. Mm-hmm. And that was set up for a reason so that you wouldn't just every time you have a Republican president and Republican Senate, you get a conservative justice and then you get a liberal and then you get a like the point is to like encourage moderate justices. Um, 
you could argue that that's failed, but that was the idea. So if the Senate, the only way to get Gorsuch through, if Democrats will not vote for him, is to change the rules. That's what the nuclear option is called. And basically, they would rewrite the rules within the Senate, and you would only need a simple majority, 50 votes. And so if you're in a general sense, like to rewrite the rules is a bummer because that just adds to partisan politics. Yeah. It means that it's even a bigger deal now that you get your guy into the Oval Office because all you need is 50 votes to get that justice. And rather than it being like, hey, no matter who becomes president, they're going to need 10 people from the other side to mm -hmm. vote for him. So they have to pick somebody reasonable. That's like a moderating force sure. in American politics. And so the Democrats are forcing the Republicans to abandon that moderating force to, to blow it up, the nuclear option. And so that's just an example of like the base, but the base wants that. The people yeah. who are going to de Democratic town halls, the people who are firing up Twitter all day long, the people who are writing screeds on Facebook and who are whatever, who are focused in yeah. are pissed. And the, therefore the pop, okay, but see, and that's true, but that's a small amount of people that are that, Here's what I think. The Tea Party's a small amount of people. Yeah, it's a small amount of people, yeah. but they, they make the most noise. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. You see the same thing if a bunch mm -hmm. of 97 people tweet about a company, the company freaks out, that, you know, that sells right. things to a million people. So, But what it forces in this case is particularly goofy or dangerous or stupid is it forces the politicians to, you know, you, they have to align with the base yeah. first and foremost. So if the base goes a, a way that liberals don't want, they go, well, I might as well be the most aggressive voice with them because it'll help me defeat my other Democratic opponents at least. And at least we're not, you know, overall, there's still more with that than Republicans and it forces or encourages the media to feed that too. So there is yeah. a, I, I don't know if you have a sense of what, does it really originate from a small group of people or a large group of people or the politicians or the consumers to blame. But the, uh, the problem is this whole thing of pushing everybody to the edges, yeah, the polarization further itself. Further left, further right, yeah. And is it, what I can't figure out is, is it an illusion? I mean, is it 10% of people on both sides and then 80% of us just trying to not step in dog shit and get in trouble? And it's like, I guess I'm going to have to safely lean this way but not rock the boat. But I don't, who cares? Like, that's the way I feel. I don't care. I just, I ha what the way I have to navigate the world now is who would I like to get fussed at from less. I don't care about this stuff. <laughs> and I think it's fine and this is fine and that's not a big deal. And that is a big deal. I mean, you can't, if I would go through life like that and speak my mind, then I'm constantly, I mean, I feel like I'm pushed one direction or the other all the time. And I'm pretty yeah. willing to stick my neck out there and say stupid shit. And most people are not. So I'm wondering, is it 10% on each side that are polarized and then 80% of people just trying to navigate? Or is it like 48% on each side and four percent of moderates left I there's mean, two different questions there one question is who's actually doing the activism that is making changes mm -hmm. in their elected officials and that answer is more like 10 percent on either side mm -hmm. but that's just because what 50 percent of people don't even vote right so uh, uh yeah you have a sort of a vocal minority that always drives policy um but what you used to have was a vo vocal minority on either side but then they they the two sides have to work together yeah, because of the way that the rules are. Mm -hmm. um, but and the average citizen's never had to deal with that though before. Like right now, yeah. I or any other average mo moderate feeling citizen or nonpartisan or nonpolitical citizen, you have to worry about 
getting labeled as not with it enough, like you, just from not, from There's social pressure now. Yeah, it's not even that I hold these views; it's that I don't fight those views. And now, or I say, well, that you might be a little crazy by re- going that ha- hard after that view. That automatically. Yeah gets me labeled by groups of friends or family members yeah. and things like that. Well, just so, to, just yeah. to even, I can't even hold a non-position. So it, the it, second, the second question there is like, have, have the average person's views changed on polarization? And the answer to that is yes. Yes. So like they ask questions, you know, Pew Research or whoever will ask these questions. Um, do you think someone can be a Democrat and be a good person? Mm-hmm. Do you think someone can be a Republican and be <laughs> a good like, person? No. <laughs> no. And so the, the answer, like the no percentages have gone way, way up. up. Yeah, that's yeah. a great, that's, I'm glad you had Over that Over the stat. last 30 that, years. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, we can get into this as much as we want, but there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm-hmm. It, you can't blame it on any one thing, but there's a huge declining trust in public institutions in general. Good. Church, government. Good. Well, Good. no, maybe not. Uh, family as an institution, even d- declining sort of focus on the nuclear family as mm-hmm. like the, so I mean, no, but here's I, I do a good say example. that all those are good in my opinion. It's good that people don't trust it's, institutions. It's momentary instability, but like I mm. understand the momentary instability of it, but I'm thinking across five decades or so, we'll be in a post this at some point and we may crash and burn the mm. world before that. But if we come out on the other side, th- I feel like this is adolescence of a new age. Mm. Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I don't know if I can agree because I don't know that human brains are capable of that. Well, think about the Civil War. That, I mean, that's. I mean, maybe that's the best thing to compare this to. And that just popped in my head. I hadn't thought about that. It might be some weird implications of saying it, but you know, you there's a bunch of people who had whatever opinion or no opinion, and then which side of the line are you on? It was an intense emergency situation for everybody, and it was uh, it was momentary. Like it was a, and and the ramifications were. Or centuries and everything, but in the moment, there was you just had a bunch of people that live somewhere in Maryland or Virginia or Pennsylvania or North Carolina, and they're like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden, it was live or die, and you had to decide. I mean, you were with it, you were with, you know, that was it. You're and then that's and then it slowly back to normal after the conflict. Okay, but I don't. So I don't understand the argument. Is that it's big conflicts are good because they. I'm not saying they're good. No, I'm not. Or? No, I'm not even saying they're good. I'm just saying. Overall, I find society to be on an upward positive progression and trend. I believe that about civilization and society for 10,000 years. Now, we do have a particular issue right now, and it's compounded by news, internet, new age, uh, declining trust in institutions. But those are all human. All of those things are human progress, but they've made a perfect storm. that's caused us quite a momentary blip of horror. Oh, yeah. So I would not... I would not agree that uh, declining trust in institutions is a mark of progress. I would say a mark of progress would be better institutions. Well, this, that's how you get them. You identify the problems. Like, uh, we no, have all, so I don't know you, if that's true. I don't know if you get better institutions by opting out of institutional life. Well, you got to have the pressure go back somehow. For, for instance, we're not likely to have a revolution like in China or France in the 1600s or whatever. We're not likely to do that. Yeah. So this is the way we get change, and it's less violent than ever has ever been. We're tweeting. Even, yeah. you know, no, some I, people yeah. may get in fistfights, but okay. I guess I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about the slow change of American cultural life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and like, for instance, in the, at least in the near term, you know, church attendance is like a major predictor of not becoming an opiate addict Mm -hmm. so you know it would be good 
if people had church communities and did not resort to drugs. Mm -hmm. So if you, at least in the short term, declining church attendance because of a lack of institutional, like families do worse. People end up Mm -hmm. committing more suicide and becoming addicted to drugs more easily. Individually. They, well, because it, but it's but not hard to see why this happens. rates of things overall, the, uh, the, Dude, I mean, our, dr drug, like the opioid e epidemic right now is out of control. It's worse than AIDS in 1985. Yep. But I mean, you don't think awful. that trend continues for 50 years, though? This is, you can't think that. It's just not no, possible. But, so, so for we, instance, we, we have a momentary, now we're like, oh, shit, that's a pain signal. If you look at humans as a one giant superorganism or something, yeah. that's a, this, is, this is a pain signal. Okay, but imagine someone who's in NA or AA mm -hmm. for their addiction. They are now in a community of people. Mm -hmm. They are connected to other human beings. They are in a loose institution mm -hmm. that they trust mm -hmm. that then gives them the strength to live sober for the rest of their lives, mm -hmm. ideally. That's an institution. That's yep. You don't want people losing faith in AA. Like That would not be good. Uh, it, it, it sounds more to well, me that, like, I like you that like, one it's voluntary you like more AA so, more than you like... But look, the Methodist church down the street is voluntary as well. It is, but... That's 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 still you had to. I mean, you would had to admit that the cultural influences of forcing people into religion is not quite forced, but you you grow up in this place with these parents, and you you know yeah. there's something that's that's not the same as opting into uh, something there. Yeah, but but and also think no matter what institution it is, it improves and improves to some point, and then it can't. You know, I think I don't think institutions ever after they've become bloated and large and overly powerful. Once that happens, I don't think they ever get fixed. Yeah, I think they only get worse. I think you're putting forward like a common view that people have today. Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that view though. I think that institutions can change plenty. I mean, like the Catholic Church changed a ton in the 60s with Vatican II, yeah. for instance. R but not relatively speaking to its entire history and amount of power and way they do things. I mean, it, I'm yeah, not saying there's no change and they can't be improved and we got to do everything we can for our churches and our government. I'm not I don't want to overthrow them. Yeah, but, but the I, people that want to overthrow the, uh, you know, the Russian czar stuff, they didn't have any other way. They had to just have a revolution. We don't. We have better than that. So our neg our negative response to problems with institutions and power is, is good that we can express them, and hopefully that can have some impact. But I don't think there's a way to turn it totally around either. Well, some of those institutions might need to be new or updated mm -hmm. or whatever, but. I, I don't think, like, you're talking about how people are raised. Look, we, you and I, and you more so than me, just because of, for whatever reason, mm -hmm. we have this, like, post-evangelical, like, backlash thing in our brains. Mm -hmm. And we are a product, and I know you'd agree with this, we're a product of our moment. Our moment right. is, we are podcasters in 2017, which mm -hmm. means we were born somewhere between 1978 and 1985. And we, that, that means that we were raised in, like, the maelstrom of non-denominational evangelicalism mm -hmm. in America. And even though you grew up in like a liturgical liberal church, you still were on tooth and nail. Sure. You played all these churches, Absolutely. Christian festivals. So when you were being formed as an adult, we were in the exact same subculture. Mm -hmm. We're all reacting to it. The liturgists are yeah. reacting to it. Mm -hmm. uh, Rob Bell's reacting to it. We're all in this moment. Great. Uh, that is a thing that's happening and it will have various effects. But let's get outside of that for a second. So we're mad about the particular failures of the particular institutions that we were raised with. But that does not mean that 
Therefore, everyone should reject all institutions. I don't think that either. Okay. Of course. But so the larger I, the institution, the, the typically worse it is in my book. Man, basically. I don't know. I like so. I have a buddy who's joining the Catholic Church, and he told me his main reason for joining the Catholic Church is that he said the Catholic Church is in the position to do the most good of any institution in the entire world. That's a rational analysis. I like that. And I think that's yep. accurate. Like, if the Catholic Church got on board with something human rights related, it would have more impact yeah. than the UN. That's an interesting point of view, yeah. So, I don't think abandoning institutions is the is the answer and I'll give one I'll give a political but example. you're not hearing me say abandon them or overthrow the government but, or no, but I don't, want anarchy or anything so no I, I know but but there's a subtle like if it's good that people lose faith in institutions then what that says underneath is that institutions are inherently bad for people I they don't have agree. an inherently bad side that increases sure. over time so does anarchy as they as they grow and, and yes yeah. and and so does anarchy mm -hmm. and and so we need those institutions to be led and shaped by people of goodwill and maybe we character. can figure it out though i'm just i'm trying to be optimistic and the longer view i take the more decades i take in my view the more optimistic i am that's yeah, the only way to sure. say it if you want to say acutely i can say screw this asshole politician whatever whatever it is this thing that local tax i mean i could you know you could be very acute with in the narrow view and think it's a, a disaster what they're doing in seattle with bertha and how much it costs yeah. that's all fine yeah. if i take the long view seattle is awesome and waiting you see it in 20 years yeah. i don't think it's, I think it's gonna be <laughs> awesome that bertha thing is a mistake so what the build right. the tunnel whatever okay let me just let me give a political example so this is from a depolarized episode mm -hmm. with michael ware um faith in obama white house or something like that and he says, you know, our generation, and I'm 33, what are you, like 37? 37. Yeah. So we are very, we're very into not identifying as partisan. And what we think that means is that we see through the bullshit of partisan yeah, politics. Yeah, That's yeah. what we think it means yeah. to say, Feels good to I'm say not a Democrat, too, yeah. I'm an independent. Mm -hmm. That means I'm above the fray. Yeah. But he says, no, 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 but that's fine. But that's not how change happens. Mm -hmm. if, if at the next Democratic convention for instance, before mm -hmm. they choose a nominee or as they decide their platform or whatever. If a vocal group of one million Democratic voters who are pro-life formed any kind of a group within the Democratic Party and said, look, guys, I get it. Women's lib movement of the 70s. Mm -hmm. It's a woman's right to choose. The patriarchy. Got it. I understand those arguments, but also there's a very rational case to be made for reducing abortions yeah. and not making it That's all about cool, yeah. the rights. If that group came, do you know what would happen? The Democratic platform would change. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, whoever gets nominated by the Democratic Party is incentivized by their constituents or to take a softer line yes, on abortion. That's that's absolutely and you true. will not do totally shit by by Throwing your hands putting up, up an independent candidate or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Probably not. We'll see. Not in a two party. I mean, literally, our whole Congress, every single rule is based around two parties. Sure. So you need a constitutional amendment to make a third party a, a valuable, valid thing. And you know, people can argue with me on that. Maybe that's the ultimate road. I don't know. But in the short term anyway, or the mid midterm, so in the next 50 years, if you want fewer abortions and you're a Democrat, then fucking be in the Democratic Org Party. Self-organize is what you organize, do. Yeah, organize yeah. Of a moderating voice within yes. that party for yes. that issue. I but and see, that's I how change that happens. so much. And let me, let me see if I can... That's an in but the Democratic Party is a capital I institution, right. Matt. Okay, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not, I don't have a platform of fully anti-institutional, anti but the premise here is very valuable. What the, 
that institution, for instance, um, it's the inability of people to self-organize, take responsibility, think rationally, and and understand what their actual power they have as individuals is that is the problem. What we want to do is farm it out to the more powerful person, the strongest leader to combat that strongest leader over there. And now they have now we have more power and we put our strongest foot forward. We need more of your time, resources and energy and you need to listen to me and I'm going to help you because we have to fight them. And then the other people re-rally that and try to get more on the other side to fight this power. And so all you're doing is giving your power and your time and your resources to these figurehead things. It just doesn't make sense. And what you said is makes total sense but this but but in my little example of going to the convention then they're gonna pick a figurehead yes. we had hillary we didn't have bernie if right? people i'm with you though on the fact that the power one. is in the people it always it is. is it in always fact, the reason is. that chuck schumer who is the um house minority leader or whatever he is senate minority leader the reason that he is announcing that the democrats are going to filibuster the nomination and force the nuclear option from mm-hmm. the from the republicans is because that's what his voters want him to do Yes, it is. That's not because of it, it, who cares about his principle. Uh, what I'm saying is, if there was if two, if they million, all said don't, no, just nominate him, then yeah. he they would nominate right. him, that, or right. they would confirm him. So if you right? take the abortion example, which is just a great nuanced one because it makes people really on their heels or have to think about it or whatever it is. But if you did put a couple million anti-abortion, pro-life uh, Democrats together, even if it was 500, there's some critical number of self-organization yeah. and noise made, even in a very pe- a totally peaceful way. That there would be an opportunistic, you know, shitbag politician like all of them, in my view. I yeah. know, I'm, that's an exaggeration, but it, I believe you put anybody. If you take it's me or you or Reva or anybody, yeah. and you become a politician, you 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 will become compromised. So I'm not saying those are these horrible people that are politicians. I'm saying yeah. it's just they're not real. They're not yeah. real people to me at all. Once they're in that job, and how many people I, but, voted for Trump? Because they perceived that Hillary was about as hardline on abortion as you could possibly oh, oh, be. Oh, so many. But that's the point. If the, if there was any, would, would Hillary would have, have lost Democrat voters for for being a little less hardline on that? I don't think she would have. Probably not. Probably no, not. No. But this I'm saying is how change happens. Yeah, and so that's what would be exciting. So the vehicle for change there could, would be as soon as you have I don't know three hundred thirty thousand. There's some threshold to where yeah. you would have some underdog opportunistic left-leaning shitbag politician to go, sure. you know what, I am with the, and I will become their leader and we can grow this movement and that's how yeah. they could rise to power. They'd shift their opinion. I mean, the politician will change their mind in a second on gay marriage or abortion. As soon as we tell them to, they'll change their minds. No big deal. Yeah, I they, mean, it's they'll good flip to remember, in a second. It's good to remember that or politicians... Or new ones will come up that are opportunistic yep. to t- ride the wave of this new neoliberal, whatever it is. Whatever or it or is. you may, you know, to be a little less cynical, you may find that you've you have a community organizer who's been a junior senator mm-hmm. and who knows a lot about reducing abortions, mm-hmm. and this is their moment to get a nomination or something. That's like one that. way to look at it. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> That's the way right? it will be told from from sure. some point of view. But it, but it's always going to be some combination. But there'll there'll be both. opportunists that yes. you can use, and you can use opportunism in your favor if you can. Rec- Think take- about it like a like a court. Okay, so you want to figure out if someone's guilty, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the way that our judicial system works is you get the best prosecutor you can find and you get the best defender you can find and you let them hash it out. Now, you don't need your defending lawyer to be kind to you. Mm-hmm. You don't need your brain surgeon to be a nice guy. Mm-mm. The system is set up such that it is competing voices and competing control and then in the end, you end up with not tyranny. That's basically yes. the idea of US yes. government. So it's okay to have 
a cynical view of like, yeah, people are sinful. They want power. But look, this is how the system works. That's not – it's produced a pretty good system. Yeah, I'm just saying you just realize that the politicians are what they are. Yeah, they're the machine they for you, and now you, you need to – that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. that's, but that, but their, their main method is to convince you that they're your hero. But what, what a good politician can be is not a hero, but they can be an avatar for our best impulses. Of course. And that is what we would that's hope the for. Idea. And yeah. that's, of course, the saddest thing about Trump yes. is he's an avatar for our worst impulses. Mm-hmm. Um, now he doesn't have to be. He could fight for healthcare and workers' rights and stuff like that, and he could not be that way. But so far, he's an avatar for pettiness, mm-hmm. vindictiveness, greed, uh, never asking for forgiveness. Which you know, maybe we got ten minutes, so we should transition to the other Let's do it, yeah. podcast. Yeah, uh, reconstruct. So if we can't look to politicians to be our heroes, how about theologians? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe yeah, I don't do theology on here very much. I maybe yeah. have a disinterest in th- theology in general, which is probably momentary. I've spent a good amount of time thinking about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm a little you know I'm pretty deconstructed on it, so I try to almost just try to avoid it. I, I know that's not sustainable, however. Well, so you're deconstructed. The show's called Reconstruct. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh it's not out yet, but the website's up. The social media accounts are active. There's going to be some like blog post essays going up in the next couple weeks ahead of the first episode, which will probably be in May. I'm excited about. it. I've already heard the first episode, unless you've re-edited it, but I I very much dig it. Well, thank you. Uh, that site's reconstructpodcast.com if you want to check it out. But the idea is basically John Raines and I, our mm-hmm. mutual friend, uh, we disagree on theology. Um, I am kind of like a more progressive kind of Catholic Anglican sort of a guy, and he's reformed and and more theologically conservative. And uh, yet we're buddies, and mm-hmm. we played in a band together for a while, and we go to church together, mm-hmm. and we hang out all the time, and we discuss this stuff. And I kind of think of this podcast almost as it feels like philosophy to me, at least listen to episode one, mm-hmm. which is what I like about it. Yeah, well, some of it will be more philosophical. Um, so the one you're talking about, we, we talk about Derrida and mm-hmm. what what is deconstruction. That's a buzzword. Um, mm-hmm. But also we just interview people. Like we've interviewed Science Mike. We've interviewed Pete Enns. Mm-hmm. We've interviewed um, a bunch of these guys. Uh, and... And then sometimes we're just going to like address an issue and see what we each think about it. We interview each other, give very different answers to a question. Like, for instance, one of the early episodes is the question is, what must one do to be saved? Mm-hmm. It's like a, that's a big question. John and I have really different answers to that question. So we kind of interview each other and, and we talk through it. The idea being that like, and this is one of the things that we are railing against our institutions to, to, to connect it to earlier is like, I was raised to believe that there's like one way of understanding Christianity. It's the way my church happens to understand it. Mm-hmm. And everybody else is wrong and doesn't worship the real God. Mm-hmm. Not everybody taught me that. Yeah. Some people didn't. But plenty of teachers and, you know, it was pastors. largely stuff. implicit. Yeah, it's implicit yeah. a lot of time. And uh, that's just a very small view of the world. Like, just in fact, that's false. Mm-hmm. There are tons of different types of Christians. There are tons of people who would not call themselves Christians, but who adamantly try and follow Jesus example in their life. Mm -hmm. This is interesting. We should be like, these are all available to us to consider. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And And that's, yeah, that's depolarizing also in the same way. It's just like, well, can't we just get people to consider other stuff? And by just, you you have to go on a level that's not super direct. You have to lay some groundwork and consider the moment and all that stuff thoughtfully, but that's good. It's a definitely good exercise. Yeah. Uh, And so I'm like, I'm really pumped about that. The, yeah. the con- we've already re- like recorded interviews and, and recorded content for like eight or nine episodes. 
And uh, we, we interviewed John Cobb, who's like, he's like 92. He's one of the most, he's basically like one of the top theologians of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And that dude was amazing. He was just like hanging out all day with all these theology nerds, getting interviewed, getting lunch, like talking to people in line. I had to like go tell him he could like go eat lunch <laughs> and like take a break from chatting with everybody. Um, but the idea being that like, there is a kind of a person you can become if you are religious where your focus on God like defines you as a as an extraordinary person. There are these people that we can look to as heroes and role models. Like cynicism does not need to totally win the day. Uh, politically, it's very difficult probably to come back for many people our age mm-hmm. from political cynicism. And there's a lot of religious cynicism. I mean, you guys were involved in the whole Mars Hill debacle mm-hmm. and that's left a lot of people in therapy, a lot of scars for good reason. And but it's not it's not the last word, man. No. No, I agree with that. And and to throw our hands up, if you are a religious person, to throw your hands up is that's it's the worst thing you can do. I mean, if you believe that uh God in some way created the universe with like billions of billions of stars and galaxies and like cares about people then ultimately you can't just stick with cynicism or jadedness Mm -hmm. uh a lot of us have deconstructed a lot of our faith like is the bible inerrant is it does it have errors what can i trust in it uh you know is the only way of understanding salvation that like Jesus placated an angry God. Mm -hmm. Is that the only way I can think about this? A lot of deconstruction, but the real joy comes in the reconstruction uh, to like reassess those questions after a time of, you know, Mm -hmm. struggle and maybe depression and sort of identity crisis. And so we want to, want to be in that space yeah i think it's good i mean it's really almost everything to me seems like wait are we taking the very right up front right in front of your face and i don't want to call it immature or childish view but is there a deeper is there just a little bit more zoomed out way we can look at stuff can you just level up just a little bit and just step outside of yourself just a little bit to assess that's what i feel like people aren't doing super good at right now and i do think it's possible yeah. but i'd kind of think on a societal level everybody's going to get there i, I really do Oh, man. So you think that people's attention span is going to get longer? No, I'm not <laughs> predicting that. I'm just saying that there's these things that come along in society, and it's this whole trick where I don't have the best analogy for it, but just, for instance, the only one that comes to mind usually is snake oil salesmen or used car salesmen. Same, same yeah. thing, and they come along with a, a stick that everybody falls for until everybody for catches while. up, yeah. and then they go, okay, I understand. And And so right now, I feel like it's, Okay, I, they're not the worst people in the world. I understand what politics are. I understand what the media. You know what? I see what all this religion stuff is. Okay, not that I'm above it or whatever, but I don't have to go right now. We could be art. You said inerrancy. We, I could have engaged you there and said, but do you really think? I mean, that'd be a dumb to me. That'd be a dumb conversation to have right now. Why? Because we're just well, right just now pulled, it would, be, it would yeah. right it just, for 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 I'm just I'm just trying to be one level above that where you say something about inerrancy and I don't know it's either right or wrong all right what are we talking about how are we yeah. looking at the world that's what I'm trying to that's what I would like for people you know otherwise it's like 
you're just living in this childish black and white. Is it good? Is it bad? Did I get fooled by it? Did I not? Right. Am I with but it? I, Am I not? But just, I think the 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 thing to keep in mind toward that end is that you there is not a simple one size fits all. Oh, phew. I just I listened to Carter today, and now oh, I no, know yeah, that I'm now I'm above the fray. No, like, but it's something about my I don't know. I mean, maybe it's mindfulness or whatever. But it's something about self education, self awareness. I mean, the 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 used car shtick doesn't work as well anymore. There's new ones that pe- scams that people are yeah. falling through, or just cultural things where. You know, you you sound condescending to tell somebody. It's like, whoa, you're just caught up in the the minutia here. This is just, you know, you'll understand this if you stay with it or focus and and cannot be so polarized. Or I think it's it is. good. Yeah, I think you do need to go into the weeds sometimes. Like for instance, you know, as we're talking about the rules for confirming a Supreme Court justice, if you don't understand the policy and the rule changes, then you actually don't know what you're talking. You don't well, know right. what's you going on. You eventually have to negotiate a price and buy a used car. Right. You have you to. You do That's have fine, to do that. You can understand the context of the situation. This guy, sure. is he a liar? Is he a bad guy? No, right, he's just right. a guy doing it. And you can just kind of slightly level is. above yes. it. That's, it I'm not saying yeah. go to the next level of your journey. It's nothing like that. Just usually we're just this much closer to having a little bit. It's like one step above or back. So faith-wise. the whole society you, is able to do that. So faith-wise, you you feel like people see beyond the kind of pastor speak and whatever, that, yes, like the way that yes, Christian books are marketed. And, right, absolutely. And, okay, right. got it. So just the emergence of the term Christianese is an example. Great. Yeah. Okay. That's that's good. I'm, I'm with mm. you. But the question is not how effective Christian salesmen are. The question, the really fundamental question is like, does God exist and love me? Yes. And if he does then great. Uh, if I can identify the snake oil lines and the used car salesman lines yeah. and get those out of the way, all the better to get to the real meat. Yes. And so one of the things that basically what we're trying to do is t- two things. Number one, we're trying to get to the meat, but we don't agree on the meat. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to show yeah. by getting down to the meat together and still disagreeing is that there are many options yeah. for people. Absolutely. I think that's worthy endeavor too. Always pointing at the meat. Like- who gives a shit about how well you can make your sermon sound to like convince people in the moment or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you teaching them? It like, just feels like everybody, yeah, like you have to zoom out. It feels like everybody's got binoculars strapped to their eyes. So, you, good luck trying to agree about what you're looking at or talking about, yeah, or, or, yeah. or, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like. You just you just have to get a grip on the situation, and then it is the word of the endeavor. To, it can only be done otherwise. You're just fighting about something which is the same well i basically happening. agree about zooming out and uh that's something that we can continue talking yeah. about next week but you know i think you zoom out when you when you take something seriously and simultaneously zoom out from it that seems to me to be the that's the balance mm-hmm. you 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 are above it insofar as you understand that there's a larger game being played mm-hmm. but you're not above it in that you then don't have to interact because mm-hmm. It, right, this, this stuff matters. Yeah, you're really stimulating my mind here. This is good, um, and I've, it's created another analogy for me. I'm a mechanical person. I, I, yeah. I think in concepts and uh, mechanical and physical things and systems. Is what I think. I love um, little things. Like I like these big con- conceptual thinking stuff like that. But I love wiring up a little panel or 
hammering something or working on a diesel engine. I love those things. Um, okay. Or troubles, it's troubleshooting is kind of what it is. And so you need desperately to have a good grip on the system, how the air compressor system in our tour bus works. I know how it works because I've thought about it. I enjoy it. It's this big thing. Now there's a problem and I have to go unbelievably narrow to find the one you know, brass fitting that's leaking and where it might be, or I had to know where the voltage yep. regulator is and to, to be able to, and I've heard, you know, I have to have the big understanding so that I can go in and assess and yeah. get the thing right and isolate. It's just engineering. It's isolating the damn problem, you know, and you need both. Yeah. You have to have both in order to get in there and do that. So we you toured- can't just start ripping. You see somebody troubleshoot a pedal board on stage and they yeah. just, you, you can't do it methodically. So there's people rip pedals off, you know, instead of just yep. calm down. Take figure this out, yeah, yeah. Skip all the pedals. You come back in one at a time. You can isolate it. There's a there's yep. a method to do that. And you will find the right answer. But not so, if you don't understand the signal flow. Right, but to so then to apply this. So we toured in a bus and we had a, a toilet and mm-hmm. we had you know gray water and black yep. water, and it would it would have problems. And Joe, our drummer, bless his heart, would fix that tank. He he fixed those problems. Now, I could have sat there when that was happening and go. Tanks are always broken. Yeah. I mean, fuck it. You yeah. These never work. Yeah. I'm above this. Like, Joe's going to fix it, but it's just going to break again. He's just going to have to fix it again. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Joe fixed it. Yeah. And then I could use it. Yeah. It's immature of me to end at, well, fuck it. The system's broken. Yeah. That's immature. You say the system is broken, and here's what has to I'm be I'm just to trying to it. isolate problems. I'm good at that. You know, I, I think that's okay. I'm, I'm looking at other people to, you know, I, there's only a certain, I can make a couple quick fixes. I'm not yeah. actually a diesel mechanic or whatever, but right. um, isolating problems is is progress. Yeah. And isolating problems in institutions and religions is progress. Yeah, but okay, so last thing I'll say then, back to institutions. Great, but we don't want to be the people with the posture of throw our hands up and forget all the institutions. I know better. No. I'm jaded. I've, I've seen the other side and this is all bullshit. It's no. I know how these are corrupt, mm-hmm. and here's if I'm involved in one of these institutions, a local church, an extended family, whatever, any anything, your local AA chapter, then I can speak up and, and help make mm-hmm. this a healthier institution. I'm going to keep focusing on problem isolation, and I will hand it off to you from there, and then when I zoom out, you and people like you will have it figured out, and we will improve society. That's okay, the way it's well, going to go. That might be a cop-out, but that's okay. But you know, In yeah. the meantime, let me know. I'll show up at a rally once or twice, whatever, but I'll, I'll trust I, I will trust you on the things that you do but yeah. you know I, I i do i do have no apology for spending time troubleshooting analyzing and isolating problems i don't i think that's you yeah. just how else you can fix the space shuttle as like long, you gotta yeah as long as do? you're sim- but you have an audience and you have people who listen to you and you should not be encouraging them to disengage just because there are problems i wouldn't say disengage but turn the damn news off well that's fine but just don't watch it but i think it's different for politics and religion you know, and we, you know, we're, we're out of time. So we'll talk yeah. about more. I'll be back next yeah, week. Absolutely. We're Thank doing you, this Dan. once a week for yep. a while. Yeah. Appreciate it. We'll talk about how I'm trying to wean myself off of an iPhone. Oh, I'd love to hear about <laughs> it. We'll do it next week. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Yeah. Thank you guys. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Jabberjawmedia.com. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. 
Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three times a week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.